Because Money was originally recorded as a video podcast, so there may be visuals that don't carry through to this audio-only version. Please visit becausemoney.ca to see the show notes, related links, and more. And I think we're ready to rock and roll. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Because Money podcast. I believe this is episode number 12. That means we've had 11 of these before, and people are actually watching. So hello out there in the real world. I'm Jackson Middleton. I'm one of your hosts, along with Rob Engen and Sandy Martin. And we're here to talk about money. We're here to talk about credit cards and how wonderful they are and how absolutely terrible they are. So uh, if you want to join the conversation, you can hit us on the the Twitter at uh, hashtag BecauseMoney. I will promise to do my best to get your opinion, your words, your uh, insights, your points of view on to the the podcast here. So I'm going to start with Rob. He's going to break down, dissect, and look at credit cards and, you know, tell us probably which one's the best. Sandy's going to say something really smart, and I'm going to just uh, have an emotional rant about how much I absolutely abhor credit cards. So Rob, on to you, bud. Well, now we know where you stand, Jackson. (laughs) Uh, so we're going to talk about rewards credit cards. They've become into the spotlight uh, in in recent years in a number of ways, uh, uh, particularly in the last year or so there was kind of a nasty fight between or for the aeroplan or for the right to issue aeroplan credit cards in the last 12 months so TD and CIBC fought for the right to uh, to issue those cards they ended up splitting the portfolio down the middle and everybody got mad because they got shipped either shipped over to TD or they got stuck with to stay with CIBC and uh, and collect aeroplan and that's probably the richest travel rewards program in the country uh, there's also uh, air miles and and then all the banks have started to issue their own uh, versions of a of a travel rewards program. So you know RBC's got their Avion program. CIBC even introduced another one to kind of just in case they lost. I'm assuming if in case they lost the Aeroplan portfolio, they introduced the Aventura card and and a lot of these are kind of geared towards their their customer. They want they want you to put all your purchases onto a credit card. Um, they make they make money every time you swipe your card because they charge the businesses or the retailers that you uh, shop at. They charge them kind of an interchange fee, they call it, or a merchant fee. Uh, and then they also make money if you don't pay off your card. So, I mean, that's obviously the big one and kind of uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that too. And so I, I started collecting rewards a couple of years ago. I was uh, kind of like most Canadians. I was a diehard debit fan or debit card user. And so... You know, so all through school, you know, my wife and I, we both had a kind of like an unlimited checking account where we could do as many debit transactions as we want. But we, when we were students, we didn't pay for it. But, of course, we graduated to, um, you know, working people, and, and they started to charge us, you know, twelve ninety five a month for the privilege of using our checking account and using those, and still using those unlimited debits. So I kind of figured out that just through reading different blogs and that sort of thing that, um, you know, there were rewards to be had if you just kind of change your behavior and, and, and look at, you know, the, uh, the method of payment that you use is just, it's just that, it's just a tool. So you can either pay by cash, you can pay by debit, or you can pay by credit card. And as long as you're paying off your balance, um, why not use the method of payment that pays you back a little something? And so I started using, there was first, there was the PC MasterCard through President's Choice where it gives you like 1% back at uh, your shopping at Superstore and, and Loblaws and that sort of thing. And then uh, I kind of always gravitate towards cashback rewards. And um, 
and and for that and that particular reason is because travel awards are so complicated I find uh, that you can never figure out exactly what you're getting back and so with a cash back it's straight up you know I'm getting a one percent back or one and a half percent back it's nothing to calculate and you can either get a check back for it or get um, or get a, a statement credit issued so uh, I'm a big fan of reward cards. I've done a lot of research on them, and I and I like them. And I thought I'd throw it over to Sandy here, who recently got into uh, uh, the rewards cards market. I guess Sandy, why don't you talk about that a little bit? Well, I always had a, like a cashback card because it made sense. It didn't have a fee. It had a cashback. You know, whatever. Um, and my biggest complaint actually with it, and I actually came to you with it oh months ago. I, I don't. I hate spending on my credit card because I don't know what the balance is immediately. Like it, my card always took about 48 hours before the transaction was actually posted to my account, and that was bothersome to me. I need to know right away. I'm obviously that kind of person. Um, and you told me that there was a particular card that I mean it was a cashback card, but it also had no fee, and it updated immediately. And it's that ambient, that smart cash card. It's blue. It's the blue card in my wallet. Um, and I I have to say that. Um, it would be an overstatement to say that I have now, you know, started on the rewards journey because I still hate using it. Have you drank the Kool-Aid? Is that what? Is that right? No, I I don't ever think that I'm going to be a rewards card optimizer. Oh no, excuse me. Correct. I'm, at some point when my margins are bigger, I think I probably will put all of my transactions and bill payments on a credit card. But my margins are small enough now that I'm just not. It doesn't psychologically. I don't spend well on a credit card, so I'm just not going to do it that way. Come on, your next blog post is going to be all about all aboard the rewards train with Sandy Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you're a, you're on the bandwagon now. It's YouTube me, but I'll let you talk some more. Sorry. So, Sandy, has it fit into now the way you? Um, so the way you handled your your finances day to day, you know, obviously you said you're looking for that an immediate, you know, posting of a transaction and that sort of thing. Has has this kind of blended in now with how you uh, how you typically, you know, handle your day to day finances, or have you had to make any kind of adjustments? No, I haven't made any adjustments, and I know there's people out there that are really good at optimizing and can just switch their behavior like that because the other way makes it makes sense to put money on a cashback credit card. I'm gonna do it that way. The end. And they're super fantastic at it. I am not, I'm a messy person and I know that my weakness is to not really keep track of things. I don't like keep surprised. I don't like keeping track of my transactions. I don't like having to log in every day and categorize things. I just want to see a balance and know I've got that balance until the 15th of the month. That's how I'm going to do it. So I, I only ever spend out of a spending account. I don't like so, I mean, I'm stupid. Maybe I'm leaving money on the table by not using the rewards card for, I don't know, my cable bill or whatever, but I had a cable bill, but that's not, I just, it's not going to mesh very well until maybe someday when I have more money to spend. <laughs> See, and I'm an optimizer now, so I found that the cashback cards are, um, you know, there, so there's certain ones like this, you talked about the smart cash card, that's the one mm -hmm. that you've got, and uh, so the, the the benefits to the smart cash card, well, obviously it's a no no annual fee card, so that, that sits well with a number of people who don't want to pay for the privilege of using a card. Um, but the other thing is that you uh, you get a, you get extra cash back when you purchase uh, groceries or gas. So kind of typical spend at a grocery store or filling up your car, you're going to get two percent back, well five percent back for the first six months, and then two percent back after that. And so what I found is that 
I, I looked at, I've looked at and analyzed my spending habits, and I, I know I spend, you know, X amount on groceries and X amount on gas, and then X amount on recurring bill payments and X amount at Costco. So I've now found, and it's taken me about four credit cards to do this, which is stupid. I know, I know, but I do it. That I've optimized my spending by using the right card. I know my wife probably is like, which card do we use now? <laughs> um, for for groceries or for whatever, right? I said, no, you got to pull out this card for groceries or gas. And uh, so you know, it it has taken steps, and it's definitely not you know it's not painless, it's not seamless by any means. But you know, so I use the Scotia Momentum Infinite Visa for groceries and gas because it pays the most back for cat or, or pays the most cash back for those. But I also find that we shop at Costco, so I have uh, the Costco American Express card. And uh, that pays back the most on restaurants for some reason. So if you go down, if you're out at a restaurant, that one pays three percent back on restaurants. So so I've kind of optimized our spending that way. And um, I would love it if someone came out, <clears throat> ING or something like that, came out with like a straight up, you know, two percent cash back credit card that you could spend anywhere. And you didn't have to worry about, you know, I need this card for this place and this card for that place because that would make my life a lot easier and a lot of people would feel that way. But right now I'm sitting with four credit cards and, and a little bit of juggling around with the finances at the end of the month to pay them all off. So uh, that's where I'm at, but I always pay them off and uh, and I find I'm earning about 2% back. So it's, it's pretty, I think it's worth it. And I'm going to throw it over to Jackson who might not think it's worth it. He's going to explode. <laughs> Well, I actually was going to unmute my microphone, and I almost hit stop broadcast. So, <laughs> yeah, that would have mic, been like a, drop. That, that would have been a mic drop for sure. And on to Jackson, just over. Um, no, see, I've got a, I've got a really bad past with credit cards, and uh, you know, I. I I fully admit that I've never really been that financially responsible. My problem is, is I'm an entrepreneur, I'm an innovator, and I'm an optimist. And those th three things don't really go well together when you're dealing with money. So I actually got my first credit card when I was 17, not 18, 17. They gave it to me when I walked in as long as I promised to put away $50 a month for RSPs. So I, my first credit card was a $3,000 balance. And what do you do with your first? I bought a car. And then I went to Boston Pizza and treated a table of 28 people because I had what I thought was a spending limit. What, what was my, you know, what was the balance available limit? I thought was a spending limit. I just, in my head, I hadn't actually figured that, okay, well, you actually have to pay this back. I knew that I did, but you only have to pay back 10 bucks a month. So when my credit card maxed out, I just went over to the RBC and picked up a visa and then used my visa to pay off my MasterCard. And that really didn't work out that well. So for me, starting very young, my credit management has just been horrible. And I actually, for many, many years, I just, when I got out of debt the first time, I basically just paid off everything and closed my credit cards. I left a small line of credit open, but then what happened is, again, I'm an optimist and I'm an entrepreneur. I needed credit for the business. Needed. I didn't need any credit. I needed to work harder and save my money and be responsible. But that aside, what happens is when you're a business owner and you're making good money, everybody starts throwing money at you. It's like dollar bills everywhere. So I get these credit card balances and 
I mean, I was I was the guy who was like reducing my credit card limit. No, please, no. I mean, I've had a four thousand dollar limit. It's all of a sudden it's eight thousand. No problem. And it's like, no, I don't want that. And actually, I just had exactly the same thing happen to me again. I've got the TD Aeroplan Visa Infinity. Apparently, I just got transferred over to that. I had something else, and then he said, "Well, we're going to change it over." I had a four thousand dollar limit. Now I've got a five thousand dollar limit. I still struggle with that being $5,000 I can spend because I'm an optimist. I'll get a big check, no problem. I'll get a commission check, I'll write it off, pay it off, no problems, and I'm out. And that's the way I've been most of my life. So for me, I don't like credit cards because I guess I know myself. And unfortunately, I think there's a lot of people in a similar situation who, when they're looking for smart financial advice, they go to finance blogs and it's like, optimize your credit card. Well, yeah, it makes. I did exactly the same thing. I asked Sandy, you know, what what what, what kind of credit? She's like, well, you know, uh, I don't know if it was. I asked you. So, did I ask you, Sandy? I Is don't long- remember a conversation about credit cards. I probably would have said, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Uh, no, I I forget who I asked about a rewards card, but it's like, yeah, the TD Rewards card's a good program. So I went in. Well, what happens is psychologically. I'm going to put everything on my rewards card. Do you know why? Because I'm getting points. And those points, I've never you've never redeemed a point in my life. But man, if I, you know, 10 minutes after finding out they exist, they're the most important thing in the world to me. Yeah. And I'm spending all of my money on a card. And then what happens? I don't get my commission check. It shows up late. I don't pay the balance off. I mean, I'll pay the balance off in full, but... I get tagged for some interest because, again, I'm not financially responsible. So my problem with credit cards is more the fact that it allows me to be stupid. And I don't like being stupid. I want to be financially responsible. And it's not like I'm completely irresponsible, but credit cards allow me to be more irresponsible than I should be. And to to take it to the next level is as a small business owner, uh, sometimes I charge for social media consulting services and like that. And online, it takes a lot of your money just to be able to offer credit cards through FreshBooks or PayPal. I mean, it's a significant portion. There was a business in Regina here. Uh, it's a meat shop. Uh, I have a passion for meat. And they have a big sign right on their desk that says, we do not accept... Uh, credit cards or uh, credit card debit cards, cash or straight debit. And I asked her once, and she said it was basically because it costs her too much money. Now, I just wrote that off as her being cheap and decided, you know, I'm probably not going to do business there. But then it got me thinking, no, she runs a small independent business, and she's trying to offer the best product she can at the lowest price because she's competing with bigger outfits. So I actually started shopping there, and it wasn't that hard for me to go and get cash and remember to bring that in. So for me, it's uh, I don't really like credit cards on the, it allows you to be financially irresponsible and I'd like to open up the conversation to small business owners and the cost of credit cards because it costs a lot of money to use them. And that's been a big thing now, like the last year or so. I mean, there was, there was uh, uh, something put through to the, competition tribunal to say we want to small businesses or businesses want to be able to charge a surcharge on to uh, people who pay by credit card and so of course all the bank lobbyists and credit card industry lobbyists said you know no way and actually for frankly so did so did uh, a lot of consumers who said you know that's unfair to treat that portion of of uh, you know of customers you know attacking on a surcharge 
And uh, it is it is legal, I guess, to um, offer a cash discount, but you can't add a surcharge based on the method of payment. So, um, so basically, all the you know the small business uh, lobbyist group CFIB, I think it is, they've got a big campaign now. I think Gail Vaz Oxlade is on board. She's a big you know cash proponent, and she they launched a campaign uh, late last year that was called a Credit Free Friday. So. Every Friday, kind of put away your credit cards, and especially when you're going for your coffee or going for, you know, those small purchases. Um, you know, Gail wants you to actually take your credit card and freeze it in a block of ice. Yeah. Still yeah, do internet wants. purchases if you can read the numbers, but hey, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. And so, uh, and and I and I respect that. And so, as a rewards cards fa uh, card fan, I do respect that. Um, I guess my my issue would be that, you know, I want to know that are you are you, as a small business, I, I totally get that that's a cost that's put onto you and it's put onto everybody. Um, I want to know that you haven't built that or have you built that into the price or, and then just complained about, like kind of cried the blues about the, about the charge, charge and fair charges or, you know, are you actually trying to save everybody money and absorbing those fees and then I have actually absolutely no problem, you know, paying cash or debit or whatever and feeling, uh, like I'm helping out the, the small business owner or the mom and pop shop. Yeah, that's a tough one to answer because I mean, uh, I mean personally, I'll build it into the price and then I won't ever mention it. But yeah. you know, I know there's a. <laughs> she might just be not taking it, and you know that's fine, and then just keeping the profit. Um, but you never really can tell. Uh, the potato. I believe, who is a friend of the podcast, uh, jumped in on Because Money and says, I get dinged over 3% off of credit card payments for my business, but eat it. And then he put JIC, which I think Sandy's our uh, acronym specialist. I think that's just in case. That's the factor for a client. But yeah, I, I think the you know that's a really smart point because if you're not offering credit cards and your competitor is, and it's convenient... There you go, and it's also it's also terrible if you always if you're the person that always uses your credit card, and you show up to a place and they don't take credit cards, and you don't have a debit, you don't have cash. Well, okay, well, what do you do? You leave your goods on the counter and you walk out the door. And that's the thing when you're when you're charging people money for your services. I mean, obviously, you want to be a savvy business owner and make sure that you're not letting a whole bunch of money walk out the door in fees if you don't have to pay for them. But at the same time, I don't want to turn. I don't want to have points of friction between me and my clients that are avoidable. That you know what I mean? Like if I say, well, you know, I'll only take, I don't know, PayPal. <laughs> she said, um, that's gonna be that's gonna be a problem for a lot of my clients. So of course I'm gonna take. I'm gonna eat the charges monthly, or I'm gonna pay the the interchange fees, and I'm gonna take Visa, Mastercard, and indirect email money transfer and all that kind of stuff because I want the client to be able to pay because I like being paid for things. <laughs> but yeah. I'm not, I probably, I'm probably I, not going to moan about it on the, Fridays. No. And I'd rather see the, rather than the little <laughs> sign that says we're all, you know, small business owners are all getting screwed. I'd rather see, you know, a, a sign made up in house or by that retailer to say, Hey, look, I'm trying my best to uh, keep the cost as reasonable as possible. And I'm absorbing these fees and, you know, and, and ask, you know, make your ask there for paying cash or debit, you yeah. know, you know, to say, put it on, like, I'm trying to keep prices low or I am keeping prices yeah. low, but I am eating this. So, you know, would you mind? And, uh, we got some action on the Twitter. Twitter is a buzz. 
Warning, Twitter is a buzz. It's a buzz. Uh, Gordon McCallum jumps in and says, we've discussed accepting credit cards for insurance clients, but the tax fees would eat up 20%, 5% of our commission. That's 25%. And he, uh, I thought he said something else. And he goes, apparently the cost of the merchant on loyalty credit cards is even higher. And I think the potato says that. Uh, mm-hmm. No, he says, I'm sure that's the fear that drives the business. Noel D'Souza, another friend of the podcast, says, I believe reward cards charge business a lot more than 3% to pay for the rewards. So businesses are actually charged more for the type of credit card that you use. Yeah, there's uh, so certain types of cards. So there's like um, Visa's Infinite card. That's what you talked about with your Aeroplan card. So that's one of these high, uh, high premium cards. Awesome. So um, I'm going to get rid of that immediately. Yeah, and then uh, Mastercard has a Aspire. And so what what happens here is that um, in order to qualify for these cards, you have to make a certain income threshold, and that's how the credit card, I guess how how this it's like a voluntary code or something like that that the that the federal government imposed to say, uh, well, if you're going to keep introducing these higher spend, higher premium cards, uh, we've got to put some kind of threshold on it so not everybody could get it. And so they put on these income thresholds. So some people wonder, so I talk about you know, momentum visa or whatever the card is, and some people say, well, I can't, uh, they won't, I can't, uh, I can't qualify for that card because I don't make, you know, 60000 or whatever, whatever the case is. And so... You know, I'm getting kind of. I say they say I'm getting penalized because I don't. You know, I don't qualify for the best product. I have to get this. You know, the no fee. I only need to make twelve thousand dollars or whatever uh, card, but that doesn't give you give you back the most uh, rewards. Well, I'm going to correct something from the Twitter. Apparently, in brackets, TX means transactions, not tax. I just inserted an A. Again, I needed Sandy on the my, as my acronym specialist there. And Gord wonders if Dan Kelly from at CFIB would like to comment on the subject tonight. Oh, yeah, I'm sure fine. he'll jump on. He's pretty active in, <laughs> uh, in defending this, uh, this issue, for sure. The um, thing is, here's the thing. When you see com- when you see commercials from a credit card company that encourage everybody, oh points, make sure to small in Freuden or whatever. Obviously, they're not just giving it to you out of the goodness of their heart. Obviously, a really smart consumer is going to take advantage of whatever the credit card company is going to give them and ride the backs of people who are not as savvy as they are and who are going to be paying increased interest and putting money into the credit card company's pocket. And it's yeah. not the merchants that are making the money, but but it's a, oh, I just, I mean, to paint the whole thing with one brush and say, you should definitely put everything on rewards cards or you should never put anything on credit cards at all is, I mean, I think that's fairly simplistic. I although I wouldn't say that you are saying that. I think you're right on because, I mean, listen, the banks don't make decisions based on what's best for you. They've done the calculations, they've looked at it, and they can say, we can offer these rewards because we know we're going to make money. The banks are in the business of making money. Credit card companies are in the business of making money. If you believe you're that one person, which I actually believe Rob is, that can take advantage of the system and work it and make it work, perfect. If you're more of an average guy like me, I don't know that that's necessarily the best way to go. Well, hey, or, if, and if the uh, and if the net result, uh, like I said, if I use money, uh, if I just use the method of payment as a tool, and so cash, debit, or credit card, I'm going to use whatever is in my best interests. 
then and they start imposing a, a surcharge on credit card purchases. Well, I'm damn well not going to be using my credit card anymore. I'll switch back to my ING free debit card, and uh, you know my net benefit is zero. But you know I'm not paying for anything, and I it's still I'm still going to use what's best for me. And so yeah. you know that's you know that's how I look at it. See, um, and to me, sorry, to me the no, whole. No. If somebody is jumping into kind of cash management and trying to optimize their financial situation, and this is their first go-round at it, I would say probably don't start with putting everything on a credit card. Like you can, it doesn't make you a dumb person. I would say maybe just leave that for like step number three, kind of yeah. graduate to that. Yeah, and that's and like I said, I did the uh, the PC Mastercard, and I just put a few things on there, and until I kind of figured out, you know, I get paid once a month. How can I time all this so that it all works out, and I don't pay a red cent of interest because I don't want to do that. And um, you know, so it's been a process over you know, four years or so. Yep. You know, I'm going to just throw out the, the fact that uh, the part that I hate about credit cards, again, Sandy kind of touched on it, is the fact that they don't report immediately what goes through. Come on, give me a break. The, it's a gimmick. It's a trick. It, it happens. They do it on purpose so that you don't know what you're spending. When I transfer money to my credit card from my bank, it should show up immediately. Everything else does. I mean, come on, give me a break. But let's go to the Twitter because we've got some, uh, actually a serious question. Uh, Gord <laughs> wants to know about the panel's thoughts on flight rewards cards, best value versus worst value, and he wants to know the tax implication for business owners who collect points and redeem personally. I, I think, Rob, that's Ooh. probably in your suitcase. Well, if, if we go to the flight rewards, the, I think the best bang for your buck, if you go to the... the the authority site for this is called Rewards Canada. Uh, Patrick so so Sojka, uh, he's from Calgary, and he runs a site. And he he's done this for a number of years now. And for four years in a row, the Capital One Aspire Travel World Mastercard has been the top has has been the top card. And and the reason why is because it's not just because of the earning potential of the card and the bonuses and whatever. It's all, that's all very good. It's the redemption. That's where everyone runs into so many uh, like uh, recurring issues. Uh, Aeroplan customers, I have them email me all the time saying how frustrated they are because he looks. I had a guy, he had 350,000 points, wanted to fly him and his son to Scotland, uh, had more than enough points to fly business class there. Um, when he calculated it all and went to, to the checkout for his redemption, $2,200 in taxes and surcharges. Yeah. Right, that doesn't really feel like a reward, right? Doesn't really feel like a free reward, and so that's that's been the problem with Aeroplan um, and, and people redeeming their points. You can earn all the, just like Jackson said, I can earn all the points in the world, but when it comes time to redeem them, uh, I can't get a good flight. There's blackouts, restrictions, whatever. I got to fly all over the place and take the red eye, and then pay another you know five hundred or thousand or two thousand dollars in taxes. It's ridiculous. So the nice thing about this Capital One program, they call it No Hassle Rewards. You book the flight with your credit card on any any airline, any travel center, whatever. You just got to see the transaction show up in your on your statement. Then you go online on your statement and you uh, click to redeem your rewards, uh, and and it just takes it out. It, it uh, pays it right off of your statement. So. That's what people are, you know, that's taxes, that's anything, right? So that's what people want is this all-inclusive, I want to I be redeemed when I want, how I want, and book my travel however I want. 
And so that's where you're going to see the probably the the trend going with these travel rewards programs is that you know CIBC's got this Aventura. That's what they talk about with the penguins flying around or whatever. Um, and uh, you still you know, watch Am TV, hey? Yeah, and then Amex, uh, <laughs> Amex cards are, are the same. You know, they want to give you more flexibility so you can book your points. Who wants to pay two thousand dollars in fees and taxes when they think they're getting something for free? So, so and no, go ahead. I was going to say, compared to the regular, you know, rewards point, what's what's more popular and what's a better bang for your buck, travel or rewards cards? So travel rewards are the most popular by far. People want, people love that. You know, they get to, to the, their destination or their vacation. I can pay for my vacation with points, okay? And and it makes a lot of sense. So the the problem is you can get the most bang for your buck, especially, you know, with Aeroplan is no exception. Aeroplan, you can get a really good bang for your buck as far as your points go. But the problem is uh, trying to figure out what that what you're getting back as opposed to cash back where 1% you know, or 2% is what it is. Uh, trying to figure out the, the different tricks and whatever you need to do to, in order to redeem them, and then trying to get the flight you want, the book with the partner that you want, or whatever, that's where it gets all tricky. And so people end up, so the, the flights can be good. I've heard uh, business class tickets on Aeroplan are, are, can actually be very good value, provided you're not spending $2,000 in fees. Um, I'd say I like cashback personally because it's, uh, like I said, it, it, it's just the most straightforward, easy way to go. So um, let's the, talk, oh, sorry. And I was just going to say, and then the worst is uh, redeeming them for like merchandise or gift cards or whatever because they devalue <laughs> them. If you're getting like 1% or a dollar for cashback, the merchandise that you redeem for is like worth 50 cents to 75 cents. Oh, seriously, 980 million points for a blender. Yeah. Seriously, it's yeah, just exactly. insane. But yeah. uh, Gord, uh, let's let's go back to the second part of the question: mm -hmm. uh, tax implications of redeeming points for business owners. You ever tackled that subject, Rob? Um, actually, I think I talked to uh, Mark Goodfield for the Blunt Bean Counter, and so uh, so for most like so for everyday people that are just claiming them for their own per individual purposes, there's no issues there. Uh, Tax-wise, but uh, but business there there would be, so there would be a kind of a taxable benefit there for for claiming the points for your own. Okay, the next is my one understanding. Is... I am no accountant. Next, next he <laughs> says you're right about Aeroplan. I have a gazillion points and just looked at redeeming. It's a disaster. Then he said, any experience using Points.com to convert flexible points? No doubt they take a pound of flesh. You ever heard of that website, Points.com? Yeah, so that's a good one for, um, actually I've used it because I, I used to collect Aeroplan points and um, I just found there's not a lot, not, when I was in the hotel industry I would fly a lot and I could collect them, but now now I don't collect them and I don't fly a lot, so I converted them into, I don't know, SO extra gift cards or something like that and they certainly do take their pound of flesh, um, but it's a good way to trade unused miles or points that you just can't find a way to do, right? Like so, if if, uh, if if air miles is one of them, and you ended up getting stuck in the dream rewards basket, and you're now wanting the cash rewards, then dream rewards would be a good one to trade on that website if you want to get rid of them, because there's nothing the left to redeem. So potato did ask another question, but then he deleted his tweet. So yeah, sorry about that, uh, potato. If you're out there, uh, join this back. But yeah, that's where we're at. Anything else we want to talk about? Uh, I think I just we were to get. Gonna... 
just to give a rundown, I would just say, you know, uh, like I talked about that Rewards Canada blog, check that out if you're looking for kind of more popular travel rewards cards. And that Patrick, he goes through the ins and outs of the whole program. Uh, be, what you need to understand if you're going to a travel program, because it can be confusing, is not just how much you can earn. You know, I can earn two points for here and, and I get 25,000 bonus points here. Uh, you want to know how do you redeem them. Right? All the points in the world don't matter if you can't redeem them for anything you know, that you want to or that you want. And uh, you know, if you find you're not, you're not interested in the travel side of things, I say you know, the best bang for your buck is going to be with a cashback card. I thought we were going to get to argue more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, next time. I hate credit cards. There you go. Get your dig in. <laughs> yeah, there. why not? No, I mean, no, just talking about points, yeah. I know that I mentioned this before, but, I mean, I've collected those air miles since 1996, and I honestly have enough to buy a blender. And it just, it's infuriating. But, yeah, I guess you gotta you got to do it well, and you gotta you got to be responsible for it. And, yeah, there you go. That's what I'm going to say. I think that's it. Yeah. That's it. We we'll we see. actually just to let everybody know we did plan like a completely awkward trail off yeah. where we all just kind of sit here like this and go. This <laughs> is totally scripted. Yeah. Completely, one hundred percent. Anyways, good conversation. We're out of here. See you Goodbye. next week. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Because money is a labor of love and involved no ads or other sponsorship, be sure to click the like or subscribe button where you downloaded this from, as we'll help other listeners find the podcast and raise our profile, which in turn makes it easier to book guests. Please visit becausemoney.ca for show notes and related links.